mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world, this is the Gravity Bros Podcast. I'm Alec, and this is my brother Lou. We are here Hello. with one of the best episodes of Gravity Falls today to recap. I'm so excited, and we hope you have good memories of this podcast, listeners, because if not, we cannot erase them through your earbuds, as far as you know. As far as you know. However, um, through through editing, we'll try our best. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Only if the episode is bad. Fingers crossed That's that true. it goes okay. I think it'll be fine. Uh, bro, how excited are you on a scale of zero to Society of the Blind Eye? To I saw that title, man. I saw that title and I was like, oh, we're getting into it today. It's time. We are coming right off of a non-canonical filler episode. However, I should mention that one of our great uh, Discord members, Golden Doodler, pointed out to me there actually is reference to the Hand Witch in Journal 3 that I missed because it's actually in the author section. The author talks about an interaction with the Hand Witch. So while we finished that episode saying totally non-canonical, sounds like there may actually be some pieces that are not. So I wanted to get that correction and out of the gate. I love that. I love that. Me too. Oh my gosh. Good job, fans. Y'all are great. Uh, And for those of you who want to join the Discord, it's in the description. Uh, We have a Gravity Bros chat, but you can also talk about other cartoons or whatever you want. So nice unintentional plug there, to be honest. Uh, Yeah. Not going to spend too much time with advertisements because of how excited I am to talk about this. There's, I'm, I'm even just trying to figure out how to start. Well, you know, I guess we should just start from the beginning, shall we? Yes, so we kick it off at Greasy's Diner. Lazy Susan, the owner, is closing up for the night, and she gets old man McGucket out from the table on her way out. He kind of scurries off. Who knows if we'll see him again this episode. Uh, Who knows? On her way... (laughs) Who knows? Uh, On her way out, she sees some gnomes. Wow, I didn't even actually... I didn't even catch that foreshadowing. I actually... Because I forgot about McGucket's role in this episode... I forgot. That was actually really smart to put him there. Wow. Okay. I know. I I love that they did that. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's right. We see see the leader gnome, Jeff, who we've seen in prior episodes, uh, excited to eat his pie because if he goes just one hour without eating, he might just resort to cannibalism. (laughs) Ha, lols. Uh, So, uh, Not the first time. Not the first time we've actually made a cannibal joke with a Disney property in our channel. Oh, which is the first? amphibia oh that's true the whole cannibalism episode geez i wonder how yeah. many times disney's touched cannibalism uh more than <laughs> i was expecting in this single conversation yeah well i think amphibia and gravity falls a lot of the same people worked on it so there might be some connective tissue there um uh, ah connective tissue be... cannibal joke uh, <laughs> i was actually about <laughs> to kind of go there too but it's better that you go there <laughs> Uh, See, this is one of those we wish we could have had that memory gun moments, everyone. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to talk about memory gun moments or whether or not we would ever use that thing. We will definitely have a chance. Oh, Um, oh, I didn't even write about that. I haven't thought about it. Oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah, so uh, that's good. We'll get it on the fly. Uh, Lazy Susan has now seen these gnomes, one of which is talking about cannibalism, freaks out, calls the police. But (laughs) as she's on the phone... Some men in hoods emerge from the background and remove her from the situation. We hear them say, it is unseen. And a logo pops in. Looks very similar to the Illuminati. It is the Society of the Blind Eye logo. And I will say, 
the very first thing I thought is like, I actually do not remember who any of these people are. Straight up. I forgot completely. And I'm going to maintain that through talking through this because it's going to be more fun. But I actually like straight up did not remember a lot of things that happened in this episode aside from a few main things that ended up being revealed. But we'll get into it. Me too. Yeah, there was a lot uh, that came back to me. It was almost like I was watching it fresh. I I remember this episode being one of my favorites. Um, Yeah. And and yeah, it it surprised me still. Again, I I just think it's a masterpiece. so that ends our cold open, right? Yes. And we go back to the mystery shack. Dipper is in his room. He's got a who is the author bulletin. Um, yeah, it's know, getting right off with. Story. Yeah, it starts right off with plot vibes. We get this huge scene. Dipper's room is decked out like that scene from Community that everybody memes about. Is that Community? That like conspiracy? It's actually uh, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But yes, shoot, exactly like shoot. that meme. I don't watch those kinds of shows. My apologies. Um, But anyway, it looks great. And meanwhile, we get the introduction to Mabel's plotline that's also going to be running through this episode, which is she's sad about her summer loves dying because we hear from Mermando. Ah, can't wait to hear from Mermando again. He sent her a message in the bottle. It's It's so so romantic. He's getting married. Oh, marriage marriage arranged marriage to the queen of the manatees i think it was that's right to prevent an undersea civil war and can i just say the fact that i i just think that it was the queen of the manatees i feel like there's almost a joke there you know what i mean oh all right yeah (laughs) just just to add salt to the wound for for mabel yeah the salt of the ocean uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Mando, there is a very sad picture of him with his manatee with like a crown. <laughs> and uh, honestly, Mermando really was the best dude that Mabel dated in this entire show so far or had any interest it, in. It is truly um, tragic to get this letter. Truly. Yeah. So she's like, man, I've had all these failed attempts. I felt like I was getting this letter about Mermando still being into me. And unfortunately, no, he's getting married. Uh, so you're right. This star, this starts off our plot line about Mabel and her being sad about her summer romances. And honestly, precursor to everything. I actually didn't think this was all that cringe. I liked the way that it weaved through the plot. You know, Um, it's funny. I didn't think it was cringe. I actually felt like it was just a little forced because so much other stuff was going on. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I didn't think it was bad though. I understood why it was there. Sure. Uh, so it is because of this message in the bottle that Mabel is able to see through it uh, into the crushed laptop from a couple of episodes ago or computer that was owned by the author of Journal 3. And she sees something on there that says McGucket Labs. And Dipper immediately is like, wait, that doesn't make sense. But then and he moves Lucas... strings around on his board and suddenly it makes sense. And Lucas also was like, oh, it's this, that's right. That was my reaction when I saw that part. I do remember seeing this for the first time, uh, talking about things that we do remember from this episode, and immediately feeling like, oh my gosh, McGucket is the author. And I totally believed it. I really did. Uh, I didn't understand that there was potentially another culprit in the mix. A little spoiler alert there. Definitely didn't think there was another culprit in the mix when I was watching this through the first time either. I mean, 
Uh, well, I, I'd have suspected, like, Grunkle Stan. But other... Because right. like, he's a he culprit, you know? He's a reasonable That's culprit true. still, I think. Um, or at least a reasonably involved. But yeah, I think at this point I was like, oh, are... It, but I was still, the fact that they would just open up the episode with the potential reveal made me think that there was no way at the same time. You know what I mean? Okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it would have been a little bit of a giveaway. Uh, yeah. Even so, that sets the tone for the episode, and we are starting strong. We have, like, almost a Sierra D plot here, uh, where as Dipper and Mabel run downstairs to grab Wendy and Seuss for this adventure... Seuss is singing Straight Blanchin' by Little Big Dog, which I guess is the popular song of the oh, summer. Yeah. And Wendy hates it so much. Can I just say, like, this joke truly did not hit for me at all. Really? <laughs> just because I've, I've, heard, I've heard so many white people make fun of rapping just because they don't get it. And, and it really just felt like that to me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> even though Seuss is not white. Uh, but Well, but yeah, the but writer is. <laughs> Sure, and the way that Wendy is talking about it. No, I, I totally do agree with that, but I think the bigger implication of the song of the summer that won't stop being on the radio is very frustrating, too. Um, that I, I guess the, the straight-up catchy. It's just like, that was never a rap song for me. That was usually always a pop song, but maybe I just don't remember what 2000-whatever-this-year-was was like. Well, that's a good point. I think, I think it's a mix. You know, it ends up being something along the pop vein. Uh, most of the time. So, uh, ultimately, this does have some light implications, which is why I talk about it at all. It does end up being somewhat plot relevant. Um, but the important thing at this point is that Seuss and Wendy are getting carried away by Dipper and Mabel to go to the dump because they want to talk to Old Man McGucket. Uh, there's a great scene at the dump where the teenagers write McSucket in graffiti, and McGucket is yeah. like, uh, okay, uh. I got to admit, like, you got me. <laughs> It was so funny. He I, he chased them away. I think I even wrote this exact. Yeah. Mick suck it. They really got me good. Yeah. It's just like, oh my. It was delivered in such a funny way. It was such a great line. Yeah. I don't know if Alex Hirsch is the voice of McGucket. I feel like he might be. Uh, I think I'm he might do be. A, I don't want to get that wrong. So I'm going to do like a quick fact check. Uh, but oh, yeah, also, the, I, I have to go back to that Blanchin, the Blanchin joke, because I thought there was another subtext joke. Because oh, okay, because Sue says like rappers are visionaries; they can make up whatever words they want. And Wendy straight up said, "You can't just make up words if you're a rapper." And I was like, "Wait, do you know who's the most famous person for making up words?" Um, I'm not. I'm not sure what you're going for. What? Who? Think about it. Who's the most famous person for making up words? Dr. Seuss! You Dr. see? Dr. Seuss rears you his see? head again on this podcast. Oh yeah. my god. I totally thought that was like supposed to be a joke for people who thought about it hard enough. But I could it could be an unintentional, but it felt intentional to me. Whoa. Okay. Right? I doubt it because it feels like such a stretch, but also the Gravity Falls writers would do that if anybody did. I just think see, they would have leaned in harder. They would have tried to make it known. I don't know. See, I don't know. If they didn't, then I'm proud of myself. Like, extra. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, I love this fan theory. I don't know if that's ever been speculated about before but we're yeah gonna, i don't know i was just thinking that. about it i'm like oh this, this is this a dr seuss reference that he makes up words and that's why seuss wow. loves it well listen i really appreciate I that i hope that you're right 
Um, so the group walks in to McGucket. He goes over to yell at his own reflection. Uh, and Dipper just comes out with it. He's like, listen, I know that you're the author of this book. Um, yeah, but put, McGucket, stop the charade. Put up, stop, yeah. quit, quit, quit playing dumb McGucket. I like that that's his angle too. Like he comes in aggressively. Like, I know your lies, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't know why, even though like, obviously it was kind of a, not the best tactic. I just thought it was an interesting character decision for Dipper at this point in the well, story. Well, to be honest, it was effective in a way. The problem is just that McGucket didn't remember anything. Right. And if he had, yeah, true, it might have been the way to catch him off guard and get him to stumble as opposed to try to ease into it. And, you know, I get it. I get the tactic. But true. again, McGucket comes out of the gate and he's like, look, I'm sorry. I'm not a genius. Uh, everyone knows I'm a failure. Uh, but I can't remember what I used to be before 1982. It's That's exactly a long a time ago. That's actually I, 30 years ago as of the show airing, but I think the show takes place earlier than 2012, so don't quote it was, me. No, it was around 30 years. He even said at one point, I've lost, I have a, I've had my mind lost for 30 years. Okay, nice. Um, um, and, ah, man, the, the amount of intrigue that that line gave me, just like, oh, I, I, I maybe, I don't remember who I used to be, but, because that to me was like oh that's the mystery this is such a bread and butter episode for for gravity falls and it's the mystery elements that make it that and the adventure and discovery elements and this is just the beginning but i'm gonna say that exact same point like five more times throughout this episode because there's such bread and butter moments i love that and one of these mystery teases is that dipper shows him pages of the journal to try to get him to recall something and he sees the logo of the blind eye, the same one that we saw earlier in the episode, and he just, like, almost has, like, a panic attack. Dude, it's just so, like, Indiana Jones National Treasure, like, conspiracy adventure theory. Like, it's so, it's, they're nailing the vibe. It's great. It's so fun. It is, and as it turns out, McGucket's earliest memories being found at a history museum. So to lean even harder into that, even harder. we're off to the history museum. Yeah, and... and this is so cool. This is so cool. I love this. Yeah, it's incredible. They all head over and they bring McGucket with them, which uh, I, I forgot a lot about this episode, but seeing, okay, McGucket is on the adventure. I just thought that was very fun. You know, you yeah. know that there's going to be some implications here and there were. Um, in the car, the song that Wendy hates is still playing. So she throws Seuss's CD out the window, realizes what she's done and is like, I'll pay for I'll it. buy you a new one yeah yeah I, I love that line that is such a realistic thing you know because you like i don't know about anybody listening to this or you alec but i definitely would have moments in my life where like i would accidentally or maybe slightly intentionally like break one of my friend's things and the very first yeah. thing you do is say you'll buy a new one you know what i mean like always that's true i've never done this <laughs> you've never broken someone else's stuff Definitely not with an ounce of intention. Not like, oh, I got mad for a second and broke a thing. Well, not like that, but like, more like I intended to use it. <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how to talk around this anymore. I've broken a lot of bongs in my life, and they were other people's. Oh, I understand. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I always bought a new one to replace it, though. I always bought a new one to replace it. I was the homie. 
if you're a younger viewer who doesn't know what that means, we're talking, of course, about Bing Bong from Inside Out, the beloved elephant character. Yeah, uh, stuffed animals that he's... keep people company and make them feel warm and happy. Yeah, they represent imagination. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is true. That is what Bing Bong is. Oh, yeah. Like, li- like literally, <laughs> that is Bing Bong's character. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, with all of that said, uh, we walk into the museum, uh, and we get teased with the Mabel storyline a little bit more, because she's sadly walking past Wendy. Everything she's seeing is reminding her of failed romances. There are literally advertisements of Puppet Gabe and Boy Band several times in so- there. <laughs> Even though that was funny and that joke definitely did hit for me, this is what I meant when I said it felt a little forced. It kind of feels like, like, what is the, what is this plot line? It, like, I, I'm getting so immersed in this society of the blind eye potentially following them in this museum. And then that, like, kind of took me out of it. You know what I mean? That's I'm like, fair. oh my god, I cannot believe we're even talking about this right now. <laughs> but the way the plane lands is what makes it worth it for me, which we'll get to. Uh, I do agree with that. But this moment felt out of place. I can understand that. But in the midst of Mabel's sadness, I guess we had to have something happening in here. Seuss suddenly sees a shadow. And the group decides to chase it into a room with a bunch of eyeballs. So creepy that are all watching one spot inside the room. And this is another place that I wrote bread and butter moment. This eye room, like, is so amazingly designed. It's just... It's furniture, it's paintings, it's like just a ton of different things. And they're all directing to this one like eye triangle, eye angle, as some would call it. Like me, That's... I would call it that. Uh, okay, all right, you can have that one. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hate yeah. it. Can we call Bill Bill Cypher that? He's the eye angle, right? The... Come on. Oh boy. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's so oh, on the nose. As opposed to uh, on the, on eye. the eyes. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. There, there might be more opportunity for these jokes later. So stay yeah, tuned. Yeah, we've got a lot of memory gun moments throughout this one. Everybody. Sure do. So all of these eyes are pointing to a secret button, which Dipper clocks immediately. Uh, he presses it in. It's like kind of an archaeological plate type deal. Uh, and it opens up a secret passage. So cool. Uh, McGucket makes some awesome. weird sounds that translate to coyotes are coming for our sweetbreads. Uh, thanks for that, McGucket. He's got yep. this language, which total. I might have misread this. I think that there might even be a moment, according to what I saw in the Gravity Falls wiki, where he's using this language to communicate a secret message that oh, is wow. translated. I would absolutely to, believe that. Which is translated two i've got it right over here <laughs> bill cypher triangle whoa the implication is that this uh oh okay wait no so it's not the movement it's a i guess it's at the end of his memories later in the episode he forms like a triangle over his eye and says something non-sequential and the words that he's saying translate to one of the ciphers that is bill cypher triangle so I accidentally oh, spoiled geez. something that comes later in the episode, but it's not the movements. I was wrong about that. That's so awesome, though. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, they, they think of everything. Um, so the group walks into this passage, this secret passage, and there are the men in cloaks that we saw earlier in the episode surrounding a treasure chest. 
and we see a ceremony of sorts as they bring in Lazy Susan and tie her to a chair to ask her what she's seen. She tells them about the gnomes, they pull out a device, and erase her memory. And she spookily says, my mind is clear thanks to the Society of the Blind Eye, and they all say, it is unseen. Now, the thing that I love about this is not only how much it makes sense for the plot, but how much it makes sense for the town and all of the people living in it. It, it really makes does. all of the mysteriousness because it, it's so you don't have to explain that. You could just say cartoon show people don't think very much because it's humanity. That's you. That's all you needed to do. You didn't need to write an explanation into why the people of this town don't seem to see the things that are going on but you incorporated it into this anyway, and it's brilliant. It is. Uh, and we even get a little flavor uh, of, I think some, I don't know why I found this interesting, but the society basically sends these memories off in tubes through the museum, like this tunnel system that they kind of have going on. Yeah. And when they send off Susan's memory, it says Susan Wentworth. So we get her last name, and there was something about that that humanized it for me, in a way. Like, we think of Lady Lazy Susan as this caricature. Um, now, okay, like, boom, memory erase, she's this kooky person. When you see oh, yeah. a person's name on it, it makes you feel like, okay, this is a person who's having their memory erased. And that's symbolic of what the town of Gravity Falls is. These people are, you see McGucket, he's a shell of himself. And we get his yeah. name in this episode, too. And it's the same thing. It humanizes him a little bit. Remember? You oh, know, yeah, I think that is a good detail. You're right. That's another thing they didn't have to do. They could have just written the cartoon name, and it, that would have been funny. Like, somebody would have seen that as the name written and been, ha that her, her, you know, they, blah, blah, blah. but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's more impactful to have it written as a full name. That's really interesting. Yeah. I also would like to say that a lot of people who are younger will never know this, so I have to point it out, that the tubes that they are using are like old mail in bank service tubes where you would drive through and have your checks shot through a, a thing. You know, you remember that? Oh yeah. 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 And then mail and the mail, you'd put like letters and stuff and they'd shoot through there. So those don't exist anymore because we do things digitally, but there was a time. Also that kind of kinetic energy is something that I loved as a kid. When they did stuff like that in any cartoon, I was just like, Whoa. Yeah. Like, Same. look at this thing move through the cool contraption. So I'm uh, still here for it. It still gets me. Oh, yeah. It's even cooler now that it's not a thing that people use anymore, in my opinion. Right. So the meeting is adjourned. And this group of cloaked figures walks off. And our group of heroes walks in. They totally just left this device there, which seems like a questionable decision, considering it's not actually that hard to get in here. You really just have to find the button. To be fair, we do learn that all of them are a little yoinky-bloinky in the sploinky. Right, and for all we know, they've had their memories erased hundreds of times, too. Well, probably not that much, because then they might be like McGucket. But there's definitely a lot of memory erasure that has gone around the town. I think it's questionable how many people have been affected how many times, and it raises all kinds of questions. I totally agree. I think this is an episode where, like, from here on out, the amount of fan theory and craziness that you could look into this show just kind of exponentially rises. It's true. And you wonder how much the creators fleshed out with those kinds of details. Because you know a lot. A lot more than most shows would do. But to the extent, it's hard to know. Oh my gosh. Uh, also, one thing I wanted to point out. 
that we'll probably not mention, but the society members' dialogue between each other, like, before, like, like when they're just, like, you know, making little side comments at this point in the story, they're really funny, actually. Like, oh, they're chant- yeah. They're chanting, and at one point, some guy just goes, hey, you've been working on your chanting. That sounded good. And I'm just like, oh, that was so funny. You're right. So on that, uh, we after the group leaves, we get a split up moment where Seuss and McGucket and uh, Dipper, they decide to leave to go into this museum area. And the reason I'm thinking about this now, you talked about the dialogue between uh, the different characters, right? So they're chasing Seuss's hat through the tubes that they can find out where it goes and find uh, the other memories. And they have to sort of pretend to be wax figures to get away from a couple of the cloaked figures that hear a noise. Oh yeah, this is one of those moments for sure. Ultimately, they decide, oh no, like these wax figures look terrible. Everything is fine. They really, he started messing with old man McGucket's eyes because they kept falling outward and he keep trying to put them in. He just goes, man, these things are made horribly. And then the other guy made another joke too, but I don't remember. No, that it was right after this. They're like, Oh man, it was probably just the sound of the janitor kissing the wax settler again. I wish I could erase that from my memory. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or said remind me to erase it from my memory, because he can. Oh, that's right. They just and that's the thing. There's so many implications to this. Uh I should also is, is, mention Do you want to bring that up now? The, the the conversation about would you use the memory gun? I don't yet, because oh, okay. we are hovering around there right now. I, I wanted to mention here Wendy and Mabel having stayed back to watch for a sign of the society coming back. Okay, Which I is kind of our way for moment. Wendy and Mabel to have their character moments. And this is where the Mabel storyline gets interesting. Because she realizes, uh, sitting over here, hey, I could just take this memory gun... And it has the capability. You don't have to erase all your memories. You can just type something in. You can be like, oh, my summer romance memories. And I can, boom, blast those and get rid of them. That sounds like something I would like to do. Yeah. And that's understandable. I mean, I I think less so for that particular example. But, like, the urge is understandable to give it a shot, I think. Yeah, definitely. And Wendy is like, oh, boy, I don't know about that, Mabel. It feels like it's kind of risky. We don't really know how that thing works. And Mabel says, hey, you could totally erase this, the memory of the Song of the Summer. Okay, so that is even that is even worse of an idea because she's just going to hear it again tomorrow. For real. Terrible idea. That's, well, that is true. To be fair, she ultimately doesn't fully entertain it. But for a second, she thinks she's like, oh, that's interesting. I just it at least convinces her that she shouldn't stop Mabel, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> You're right. You know what? If I have a reason, you have a reason. Capiche, capash. Who am I to judge? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, exactly. Got, I gotta be, if she, if I wouldn't argue that she's the older person and should try to be a little responsible for Mabel, I would act like if these were two adults, I would totally agree with Wendy in this call. I'd be like, hey, it's none of my business. You do whatever you want. <laughs> sure. Uh, I loved Wendy in this episode, if I can say so right I now, too. Did I felt to like be honest. She had great moments we, this whole episode. I always felt like Wendy was underutilized as a character in her best ways. Um, and every time they bring her along, I feel like she brings a lot to the table. Her philosophy with Mabel about, oh, hey, you know what? You're actually really good at chatting with dudes, but, like, forget them. Who cares? Uh, oh, yeah. It just felt I like mean... very... 
authentic and, hey i'm just your friend helping you out with this what and i said good advice <laughs> it pretty much is i mean but ultimately it is what ends up making her go over to the memory gun to want to erase her memories like you're right wendy i should just forget about guys but like the well, sentiment yeah 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 yeah. i think not not like forget but don't be worried about the opinions of other people justifying your definitions of who you are as your own your own self-worth there you go well articulated uh so meanwhile <laughs> while uh, wendy and mabel are having their moment McGucket, Dipper, and Seuss have found uh, the room. They followed Seuss's hat going through this tube into a shrine of this wooden figure with outstretched arms. We never really get explanation on who that is. It might just be a symbolic gesture of a hooded figure, you know, to represent the society. Um, But what's interesting is that all of these stolen memories are hanging all around this room. Some of them are just in corners like shoved off to a wall and some of them are sitting on the wooden figure itself and they first find one of robbie's which is just hanging around robbie of course uh who has dated wendy in the past and also had an interesting experience with rumble muskirmish the video game character earlier in the series so we get a scene where there's this TV and the characters' memories are able to just be plugged into here and we can watch what they went through. So we see a memory of Robbie having this uh, experience with Rumble erased. And I believe that there was even a point in the series at some point that we talked about where Robbie talks about, wait, what are you talking about? I don't remember that at all. Um, Oh, yeah. And it's an early early sign about memory erasure like in the middle of season one or something like that oh my god you're right that's crazy i totally forgot about that so they close that plot up here also that line he's like yo because the 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 part that uh that we see his memory getting erased is like a clip of him talking to the society the blind eye and they're like tell us what happened he's like this crazy video game character came out and tried to beat me up (laughs) but i totally got him Tell us the truth. Okay, 12-year-old saved me. <laughs> That's right. I, I did love that. It's very that Robbie. Yeah. Um, I feel like we haven't seen Robbie in a little while. He was more of a first-season character uh, to sort of no be part of this with that, Wendy storyline. I know, I know. But it's not Robbie you hate. It's the storyline. We've talked about this. Yeah, he's fine. But, but Robbie's not he's your favorite. Fine. I mean, look. He's not supposed to be, right? Robbie is this intentionally unlikable character. Uh, See, that's what I don't like about it. Because, like, punk people are my friends. And I'm like, why would you write the coolest people to be lame and mean? That's not accurate. (laughs) Okay. Do you feel like punk is exactly what Robbie is? Or is he just, like, an emotional teenager? They give him dyed black hair, skinny jeans, and a black hoodie. He listens to music constantly. There is no other stereotype to put him in. (laughs) I don't know if punk is the exact same thing. You would know better than me, in fairness, because you've uh, been in that circle much more than I have. Uh, well, like, punk, I don't know. I'm not going to explore it. I don't want to put people in boxes. Anymore. Let me ask you this. So, Do you identify yeah. with Robbie? No. Yeah. Why not? Because he's a punk. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway, so... They watch Robbie's memory. They're like, okay, let's find McGucket's. But the problem is that McGucket's memory is on this wooden figure in one of these slots. And when they remove it, that is one of the memories that 
creates an alarm trigger, right? And I think this is fascinating because there's some memories. They don't really care if somebody were to find it. They're not that concerned with security. But the main security system, it has to hold certain ones. And McGuckets happens to be one of those. That is pretty interesting. I agree with that. And sure enough, it sets off the alarm when they grab it. Uh, Yeah. Part of what's interesting about this is like, well, we'll get into it more. I'll talk about this more later. But like the amount of preparation that went into this and how like you're kind of seeing that some of it's kind of organized, but some of it's really disorganized. You know, that's kind of playing into the inconsistencies that we might be walking into. It's a good point. This is an organization that takes itself very seriously, but they don't have everything figured out. Who knows if they have a budget? Well, Uh, and they're screwing with memory wiping, you know? I mean, that's essentially as if you're, like, dealing with an order of people that's a a bunch of drug addicts. You don't really know what they're actually going to remember of what they're doing. Well, yeah, and again, they play with this theme. You know, it's intentional. Um, Yeah. And I guess we can kind of get there. Seuss and Dipper get kidnapped because the society follows the alarm to the room. McGucket is able to get away. Uh, but it is yep. not long after that we see that Wendy and or yeah, Wendy and Mabel have also been taken away, and suddenly everybody is tied up, and yeah. we get an opportunity for there to be dialogue between the group and the society. So Dipper asks, "Hey, why are you doing this?" The main guy do, like, decides to come the, clean. I'm like, they do the classic villain in a story move, and they're like, "Well, I guess." Since we're going to erase your memory anyway, which I've never understood the logic of. So it's like, oh, well, since nobody's even going to remember this, let me explain it to you and completely waste all of our time. Yeah. What? I mean, what? What? Why? They're not even going to remember it. Are you just getting it off your chest? You feel guilty? No, you have a memory gun. You erase your guilt. You cannot fabricate this story to me. This is plot. That's fine, though. I don't care. I'm just being silly. So I DM for Dungeons and Dragons, and this is definitely a thing where I have a lot more sympathy to writers now, because there's sometimes <laughs> where you need your characters to understand some important lore stuff, and it has to get dropped somewhere. And you can yeah, yeah. do it in the most organic way possible. They got yeah. 22 minutes for an episode like this. No, no I'm not no, mad I, at I, it. I know, <laughs> I know. No, they did a great. I, I'm like criticizing one of the smartest written cartoons of all time. Like I'm, I'm totally just being silly, but I'm also not wrong. You're not wrong. The explanation is so interesting, though. And we decide they decide they're going to take off their hoods and reveal themselves. And we get several citizens of Gravity Falls that we have seen throughout the season. One and this time. blew my mind this time. Like, you know what I mean? Seeing yeah. the reporter, whatever his silly name is, I forgot. Toby Determined. Thank you. How did I forget? How could I forget? The fact that he's there, I'm literally like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. All of these randos are part of this organization. This is so weird to find out. Yep. And, and to just make sure that we mention everybody toby determined bud gleeful gideon's dad yep the bouncer from the local lounge the farmer who sold mabel her pig and the creepy dude who married the woodpecker but the main guy introduces himself as blind ivan he said if you had met me you wouldn't remember 
character we definitely have not seen because he's quite significant with tattoos on his face bald head a little bit gray meant to be very villainy looking yeah definitely i i think the tattoos on his head are interesting it's almost like he's like losing track of parts of his brain and he's trying to like order them so he doesn't mess up his erasure yeah okay actually that's a great observation i didn't notice that i didn't pay close enough attention to what his tattoos looked like oh they all had like like different parts of the brain were the words and they were all just like segmented into categories the same way you'd see in like a psychology diagram awesome oh my gosh what a nice little note there uh so this is the society of the blind eye they say that they were formed many years ago by their founder who they don't remember from all the memory erasing and that is our clue that's our key basically that these characters we don't know how many times their minds have been erased what they remember and what they don't and there's actually the subtlest of brilliant commentary about tradition here Ooh, talk to me they don't remember why they're even doing it but they're just doing it <laughs> that's yeah. that's literally I... like that's people who pretty much if your reason for doing something is exclusively tradition that's the fallacy right we don't even know why we're doing this we don't even remember who founded this we don't even remember like maybe if we thought about this harder the thing is it shouldn't even matter why you started right theoretically you should just be doing it for good reasons but the fact that you have this whole order and this whole like i feel like the commentary is supposed to be there for like people who blindly follow tradition you feel me order of the blind eye yeah no dude i totally agree i i that's one of the many themes that i love that we kind of explore here i do think there's some interesting commentary here where they start to go into their motive that years ago this founder was here to help citizens of gravity falls forget all the weird and creepy things that were surrounding the town now they can go about their lives ignorant and happy happy and there's a quote everyone has things they'd rather forget even points out that mabel was about to use the gun for that exact reason and i feel like now's the perfect time to talk about how we feel about this memory erasure concept so Here's the thing. My overall life philosophy is I am, I'm proud of who I am because of some of the hardest experiences that I've gone through and some of the most traumatic things that I've ever processed. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really do believe that. Um, That being said, I believe that there is a circumstance and a justification to use nearly any tool. And I could definitely see people making a case for for this existing and people using it for some things. I could also see how it could be something you'd get out of control with and, like, mess up. But, like, to be honest, I feel like completely erasing a traumatic memory for some people is not a bad move. I agree. I was thinking to myself, there's... There could be some, like, therapy utility to something like this. And I'm going to yeah. use myself as an example a little bit. Um, normally I, I do sort of prescribe to some level of the butterfly effect where I'd be very hesitant to change anything from my past, but this isn't really changing the past. This is, you're still you, but you're erasing a memory, right? And, you know, I'm not going to go into details, but there's definitely like a, uh, YouTube video that I saw by accident as a kid that I would say traumatized me. And that's something that I had remembered yeah, like, I remembered recently after having forgotten a long time, and I'm like, God, it would be really nice to just be able to remove this from my memory altogether. Uh, and this, I do think, uh, 
a memory gun like this could be effective for very small things like that. Uh, or possibly even bigger traumatic events if it really is something that's damaging a person long term. Um, yeah. So see, I was thinking more for like more problem, but see the thing is like when I hear that though, I would, I have, I've, I've definitely have some stuff that I will not talk about, but like I would never want to forget anything that I've ever experienced for myself personally. Right. I, and I, I hate the idea. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. My memory is just like, I forget enough anyway. I don't need help forgetting things, right? <laughs> you know, we're, we're, human beings are great at having a bad memory. I don't think we need any assistance in that level. Um, and, and I particularly am, it's just like a personal, like, I, again, I understand why people would, but I don't think I ever would because I love right. every memory I have, no matter how awful it's been. I think I would also be hesitant to do it, admittedly, even like with that one thing. Um, just the idea of potentially erasing any part of history is a little bit scary to me, though, again, I could see how it would have utility. Uh, yeah. But the episode also makes a very interesting observation. Immediately, Dipper says, you know, this guy, McGucket, he lives in a dump and talks to animals. Thanks to you. Don't you feel bad about that? And Blind Ivan is like, huh, maybe a little. And just erases his memory. And he's like, not anymore. And I feel yeah. like that's a commentary on how when you have this power, do you start to over manipulate it? And you're like, you know what? I'd also like to forget that other thing. And next thing you know, you're maybe getting rid of things that you don't actually need yeah. to. So I mean, it's it, a slippery it, it, slope it was, fallacy that just like the nature of anything makes people do that technically. But right, it's not a guarantee. But I could definitely see that being a real thing that people go through, where they accidentally oh, yeah. go a little bit too far. Oh, I see the addiction potential. I definitely see it, especially if, it was if, in the if hands, there's like. I'll bet it feels weirdly it was, good too. Sure, if it was in the hands of somebody who was like <laughs> a professional and their job was to help. Like it, like a therapist, basically, who was trying to help people uh, get rid of some of their trauma. Uh, yeah, I that think almost makes like that me feel... Good. I have an aversion to authority, so, so the idea of having, like, a government-regulated system where they're using a memory gun makes me way more nervous, actually. That's fascinating. I mean, but <laughs> I, I think I would be more comfortable if there was some kind of regulation, because I'd be afraid of what somebody might be able to do on their own with it. Um, that's why there's an opioid crisis in America. <laughs> um... <laughs> That's a, that's very complicated as somebody who does research on this exact topic. That's a factor of why there's an opioid crisis in America. Yes. A significant yes, one. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but I do think the question about autonomy and how much control somebody should have over something that is potentially dangerous to them is a really interesting conversation that goes a lot deeper than this podcast. Um, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think the idea of everybody just walking around with a memory gun is probably not a great idea. Sure. And uh, I also kind of want to take the opportunity to say, uh, I know that there, for people who have been through trauma, there might be some of like trivializing it to something that you know is not a real option could maybe be a little bit um, stressful. So I just want to, I guess, have a plug here to, uh, you know, therapy is a great thing and there are uh, ways for people to help address their trauma in uh, the healthiest ways that we have possible. Even if we don't have memory guns, those things are out there. So if you're struggling, just know that there's help and that you are loved. Yes. And finding resources can be difficult and take a lot of time and effort and energy, which might be even yep. harder to, because of what you're going through. So always reach out to people for help. If Love you it. can. All right. So 
we find out uh, that McGucket is here to help. Uh, actually, wait. Reach out me, to uh, McGucket. McGucket will be your savior. <laughs> He's the one. He made the memory gun. You'll be fine. I got ahead of myself a little bit because right before the memory gun is about to be used on the group, we do get a great set of four character moments back to back of Sue saying, oh man, well, if this is it, I've just got to let out something. And we get oh, into a string right. of all of them. Yeah, sort of sharing a little secret about themselves. Some that are more serious than others. It starts very funny. Uh, Seuss says, Mabel, I thought your name was Maple, like the syrup. And no one ever corrected me. That's right. That's a good one. It, the good one. It's, I would the, love, it's the no one never corrected me that I like. I would love to know if we can go back and find episodes of Seuss saying Maple instead. But I can't even recall him saying her name. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I, so, I had that exact same thought. So I was wondering. But anyway, uh, Mabel says she only loves some of her stuffed animals and the guilt is killing her. Childhood Alec definitely related to this one. I also thought Childhood Alec definitely related to that one when I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say it for yourself too, but no. No, uh, no I definitely me, thought I, Alec's going to relate to that. <laughs> I am that weirdo. Um, Dipper well, says... I just, I'm just cruel. Oh, yeah, maybe a little. But I just didn't care that. Right I just now. thought that, you know, I mean, I, I didn't have, I didn't think that, I, I didn't feel any guilt for loving any more than any others. I truly didn't. And Glad that uh, your relationship with your stuffed animals was so much healthier than mine. Is that uh, healthy? That's a good question. Dipper uses big words and does not know what they mean. Uh, he says, I'm supposed to be the smart guy. And if I'm not that, who am I? So little I... identity crisis here for Dipper. Didn't relate to the identity crisis, but I definitely related to, at least when I was younger, using big words without actually knowing what they meant. Fair enough. Uh, Wendy, in my opinion, has the most interesting one here. She says, you know, I seem laid back, but I'm actually stressed out 24-7. Have you met my family? That's the one I related to the most. <laughs> I thought you would. Uh, I heard that. I was like, oh, I bet Lou, Lou, uh, Lou loved this line. Oh, yeah. It's all a facade, but it's a great one. I love it. <laughs> Not all of Is that all you I, want I, to I, say on the matter? No, no. I, I, I Don't be worried. I'm just making a joke. I, I'm okay. I promise. <laughs> I'm a very oh, happy yeah, person. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't say that family is necessarily the reason. Because we're, the no, no. Wendy's yeah, family no. is so strict. And that was definitely not our situation. Um, yeah, no. I do not have a lumberjack family. <laughs> That'd be interesting, though. I, that would have changed our upbringing significantly. I I would probably be very different, but who knows? Yeah. So this is when McGucket shows up to knock the gun uh, out of Ivan's hand. And I love this moment for McGucket. He just, I, I don't know what possessed him to do it, but he, it's a great hero moment. He raided the mining display for weapons. He tells him, fight like a hillbilly, fellers. It's so charming. I can't oh, not love it. I I have another inconsistency that I just remembered that was in this episode that I have to run by you and hope hopefully someone else will actually comment if I'm wrong about this because I hope I'm wrong. Okay. But there was something that I was hoping would be answered by the end of this episode that definitely wasn't. I want to know if you caught it and I was just wrong. All right. You notice how they were catching like a million people in this town and were erasing their memories for all this metaphysical stuff? Yeah. How on earth were they not able to catch two 12-year-olds at any point in the series? Uh, I thought about this too. Uh, it does seem like 
they have seen everything that this ha- town has to offer and did not run across these two children once. The only yeah. thing I can possibly think of if they're trying to explain it away is that they just don't pay any attention to children because children are not regarded in society. So Seuss, they, don't, they just think what, it'll be the... He, there's yeah, other people, Seuss, too. Grunkle Stan, there's, even. Yeah, like, but how? Himself how, is how have we not never... to know anything. That's fair. But how but everyone else, how have we never even seen these people? Now I get it. It's, it's a it's, good it's, question. It's an extremely well-written show, and I'm nitpicking. I want to clarify. Like, I'm not saying that this is problematic. I'm just saying I couldn't nitpick. help but notice because we're reviewing the, this and thinking. I really mean, their job is to go around this town basically and make sure that everybody forgets everything. So is it an inconsistency? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um but I I ultimately decided not to overthink it. I was going to say, it's not that explanation couldn't be written. It's that one wasn't. As far as we know. Again, tell us in the Discord. As far as uh, I remember, if you, yes. Yeah, if you think that there's an answer to this question. because Or maybe Alex Hurst said something in an interview or they did something in the journal. It's hard for me to know. Uh, anyway, McGucket is saving the day here. There's a great fight sequence. Great fight sequence. Seuss has a weapon on a plaque that says dysentery, plague of the West. And he's just oh, going around threatening funny. the people with, with dysentery. And it's working. Yeah, that was uh, and that's funny. great. But yeah, there's also a cool thing where they're using the tube system to transfer McGucket's memories around in the middle of the fight. I felt like it was Very pretty well creative. choreographed. I agree. I thought that uh, was really cool. So Dipper says that McGucket's memory belongs to him, but Ivan says the society's secrets belong to them. So... Ah, not too much to think about here, other than this is just Ivan in his feeling like this cause is more important than individuals. He's Nothing so groundbreaking. Silly. Thought is a plane of existence, and none of our thoughts belong to any of us, you silly goose. <laughs> so, Blind Ivan does get the memory first, uh, and he's ready to erase Dipper's. But McGucket, again, in a hero moment, steps in front of Dipper and is not doing anything to him because, as he says, my mind's been gone for 30 years. You can't break what's already been broken. And It's pretty hardcore, to be honest. Like, that's pretty awesome that he's just getting, like, shot with a memory gun point blank, unflinchingly, just like, I'm already crazy! Ha! (laughs) Yeah, gotcha. It's just kind of an awesome way. Like, I've never seen... I've that was a very unique thing. I've never seen that before. Yeah, and he knocks Ivan out with a headbutt. The group ties them all up. Uh, Mabel writes butts on Ivan's bald head, and Dipper erases their memories. Yeah, yeah. And this is fun. They leave like everything is fine. And again, I wonder: has this happened to them before? Have there been different society members that have been since? Yeah, have since had their memories erased. Have oh has there been gosh. like a cycle of this happening all the time? Do um, they have a new member initiation program? Right, I'm it's sure. Like, right, all of that. They always do. That's half the fun. Are there backups in case something like this happens? Like you've got to wonder. There's some oh God. Somebody could I write thought. a really good fan fiction with this in mind. You, you know, you really could. The Society of the Blind Eye movie. Ugh. Oh, man, or a TV movie. That would be, if they were ever to, like, spin something off for a one-off, that would be really cool. It would be shockingly intense of a concept. Uh, also, what's interesting, Blind Ivan walks out, he asks what his name is, and Dipper kind of says, ooh, might have went a little too hard on that one. Again, sort of proving that there's a power scaling to this, where some people might have their memories erased a lot, and others just a little bit. 
you know, so, I think for in his particular case, it was just because of his. Because think about it, because what they erased was the society of the blind eye from everybody. And if that was like mostly that guy's life at that point, that would pretty much completely obliterate your entire sense of identity. Really good point. His identity was hovering around the society, and that matters yeah. a lot. So he truly didn't know who he was anymore philosophically. Even if he remembered his name, he'd have been, he still would have had an identity crisis regardless. <laughs> sure. but luckily, Mabel has a name for him. Says, don't worry, your name is Toot Toot McBumbersnazzle. A traveling banjo mistral with a song in your heart and funny tattoos on your face. Just like Post Malone. Oh my god! That was a pretty Got funny him. joke. I'm impressed. I love Post Malone. <laughs> Me too. I just want uh, to clarify. I love Post Malone. He seems like the nicest guy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so then we get to our big reveal. McGucket's memories. And oftentimes in Gravity Falls, when we get teased with something like this, I feel like we it just gets pulled from us and we don't actually get the lore drop that we're hoping for. Not here. Big no. lore drop. Uh, we see McGucket as a young man. He says, my name is Fiddleford McGucket and I wish yep. to unsee what I have seen. And we find out he's been working as an assistant for a visiting researcher who's been cataloging his findings about Gravity Falls in a series of journals, who is the true author. Yes, uh, which is so cool helped. that they immediately are like, no, I'm not the author. But there's a lot of cool That's stuff. That's true. Still. And I, I do remember even at that point being like, oh, so it's not McGucket. We thought it was, but there's still yeah, somebody else. I remember that too. Yep. And uh, he has helped him build a machine which he believed had the potential to benefit all mankind, but something went wrong. Uh, and we find out that he has invented the machine. McGucket invented this memory gun to erase his memory about what had been done. And we get a montage of him getting carried away and wanting to erase more and more of his memories as he descends into madness. And honestly, dude, this is pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Is it, I mean... <laughs> there's so much i mean it's really sad honestly yeah you can see the look on everybody's faces mabel at the end is like oh mcgucket like i'm so sorry yeah uh, it is not played for for laughs at all it is a serious moment and i like that they do mm -hmm. it that way me too uh and i think this is the moment where mabel realizes you know nobody likes to remember the bad memories but maybe it's just better to learn and move on from them which, again, is true to a degree, right? And I think that's supposed to be the overall takeaway. We talked about yeah, sometimes again, trauma I toes into a new territory, but... There is a case to be argued for memory erasure. There is a case yeah. circumstantially, as there are often circumstantial cases for many things that seem like they'd always be bad ideas. True. Uh, and that's sort of... Uh, how we end the episode we do see that mcgucket feels okay about it he feels like now we can start putting the pieces together now that he can remember who he is yeah he still uh, doesn't remember he, who the author is it's true but he wants to take some time and see if he can figure it out uh so that's interesting it, we sort of close with uh mabel being like hey want to van help me vandalize this picture of my former crush gabe uh which they do and that's great because we hate which they gabe. do gabe's pretty bad uh, so, Wendy finally gets the song out of her head, but then Seuss puts it back on, so we get the closing of that plot. And then the end credit scene has major implications. Um, oh, McGucket yeah. 
is trying to read the journal. He sees this portal of some kind. Things are coming back to him. And we sort of flip over to Grunkle Stan as he is building this portal. It says every day it's getting stronger. He loses some things. He doesn't care about how dangerous or how long it takes. He's going to pull it off and no one is going to get in his way as we zoom out to a picture of Dipper and Mabel. Ah, I love it. I love where we're headed. I love it. I love it too. It, I even wrote down like, oh, oh, what did I say? Almost there. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. You know, just the amount of pure... Seeing Stan... I mean, it's pretty... I think it's it's foreshadow that Stan's building the device that they talked about in the episode. Definitely true. I want to ask, bro, who gets your points this episode? I gave two to McGucket and one to Dipper. You Okay, so McGucket I know, because I think we're on the same page. He had an amazing oh, yeah. episode, so character-driven. You know, amazing showcase, easily his best episode yet. But why Dipper is the number one, or the one point, sorry. Um, mostly because I was just on board with him being our adventure lead protagonist. I thought that this episode doesn't exist without Dipper on any level. You know what I mean? Because he is fundamental to the, he is the Indiana Jones, (laughs) Nicolas Cage kid, right? (laughs) Yeah. So him leading everyone through this, I just felt like him putting these pieces together and figuring things out was impressive to me, even though it was him doing pretty regular Dipper things. That's what was so great about that's, I mean, that's why Dipper's such a great character because his regular Dipper things are why they're in situations like this. Yeah, I I like that choice. I gave it to Wendy. I talked about earlier that I really liked her in this episode, and I really liked I like a bit of the lore that came out when she was talking a bit about, uh, you know, how she's actually secretly stressed out. I don't know. I like when we get more Wendy information because I, again, feel like she's a bit of an underrepresented character in the show. So that's yeah. why I went with that. Um, I will mention some ciphers before we get into the journal, and that is that... Part of the journal, the blind eye entry, which we even get shown in the episode, it has the text from the author in cipher form. If my suspicions are correct, this is the work of Fiddleford. Does he really have to go to such great lengths to forget? So the author knew that McGucket was uh, creating this ray gun and creating this society of blind eye. And I think that's interesting. Also, at the end of Old Man McGuck... Oh, sorry, I already uh, shared that one earlier. In the end credits, we have Ignorance is Bliss, but Bliss is Boring. Interesting. How do you feel about that? I think it's cute, but I disagree with it on every level. (laughs) I mean... I'll be honest. you, You disagree that Ignorance is Bliss... But the Absolutely. bliss is boring part, you're probably more on board with. Anyone who thinks ignorance is bliss has never felt bliss, is my answer to that. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm on the same page. I never advocate for, like, ignorance is bliss mentality for trying to do self-improvement in the work that I do. Nah. So, ignorance uh, is comfy, but comfortability is not bliss. Right. But again, the end of this cipher is, but bliss is boring. So they are more on your side. Uh, I disagree with that, too. You comfortability do. i think is boring i think comfortability is super boring oh my god just being comfortable all the time i don't know how people do it sure. all the time I really but don't. bliss but itself bliss? If, if bliss is in the word that you, the way that you're thinking about it then it's not boring i mean i think anything is boring if you do it long enough but like sure all right 
I think that that bliss is kind of by definition not boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm, all right, that's true. It's kind I, of I by definition blissful, and I mean it's kind of not fair to even say it that way, right? Because bliss is you're calling it bliss. It's by definition perfect and beautiful, right? Yeah. So okay. that's not what comfortability so that's a good point. is. On the back of the Triceratops in the museum, the word erase is written in a cipher. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and then the final screen says Gideon's tantrums, misspelled tattoos, Chandra's reactions, rejections, sorry, society's views, a fear of witches, a life of regret. These are the things they try to forget. And these are representing the forgotten memories that correspond with all of the members of the society. One of them was afraid of witches. That's funny. Yeah, I would need to unpack this more to actually yeah. figure out which one pertains to each. You know that Gideon's tantrums would be his dad. That's an easy of one. Of course. Um, easy. Misspelled tattoos, probably from Blind Ivan. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But now that makes me want to know which ones are misspelled. And I want to look at that closer, too. That's true. The rest of them, it's a harder guess. Um, yeah. So those are our ciphers. In... Journal three, we do get a little bit more information. This is Dipper saying, I've been looking for a hint about the author's whereabouts this entire summer, but sometimes the answers are staring you right in the face. Uh, he basically just talks about how old man McGucket is, has a heart of gold and saved our minds. Uh, talks about the fact that, oh yeah, this is interesting because I didn't think about this. The F the author referred to was Fiddleford McGucket, and he could be the key to unraveling the big mysteries. I forget that uh, the author's assistant is mentioned a lot in the beginning of the book um, through his Yeah, I was just so, going to say, I thought, I actually was pretty sure that the the memory stuff with McGucket losing his mind was really well documented in the book. There's like a whole section on it. Right. And I don't want to spend too much time on that because, you, yeah, I would recommend everybody either get Journal 3 or... Um, yeah, probably get Journal 3. It's worth your purchase because it's a Oh, yeah, book. it's so cool. Uh, I recommend it. it. There's so much of it that I couldn't possibly go through it all today. So at this point, I'm sort of more focused on the Dipper side of things and what Dipper is cataloging as a supplement. Um, but there is yeah. information in the beginning of the book about the blind eyes, the same page that we see uh, in the beginning of this episode. Yeah, and we get the story of... Um, we get a little more juicy details of the story of McGucket losing his mind, too. Yeah, there's the my assistant right. page. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Lou, Lou is showing me right now. Uh, yeah, for, I, I like. I don't know if you ever actually read it, but I actually read this from beginning to end like a book. Oh, I'm glad that you did. I should. I really should. And it it is it does read like a story in ways. Like there are entries, but the whole book reads like a story from beginning to end. Because yeah. you know the entries change, and you know their information changes. So it, I do recommend you actually. Like, read, read, read it all the way through, because it's really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, there's something on The Carney, which is an entry that's actually all about the origin of uh, Ivan. And oh, he's really? In there. Like, yeah, dude, it, there's, uh, I, honestly, there's just so much in here about all of it that I had a hard time. Yeah, well, now, I mean, now, all down. there's so much extra plot juice that's given specifically in relation to a lot of the stuff that we're about to be covering that it's probably going to get a little harder to be condensed and specific so we're going to probably just take like the best highlights yeah and let me just read the one thing that is written in plain english on the blind eye page and then i'll stop there yeah. are they trying to stop him or are they trying to stop me from stopping him 
That doesn't make any sense. I cannot keep going like this without some sort of rest. I can barely think straight. And this is all in the section about his muse. So the implication is he's wondering if the Society of Blind Eye is trying to help Phil Cipher or not, I think. Uh, that's my yeah. interpretation. I could be a little bit wrong. But he's got an entire section about sort of his experience uh, with the Society of the Blind Eye. Uh, and yeah, again, worth reading for those of you that want the supplementary content. And actually, I do have one little thing to read from the the memory gun page. Okay. And it's just a uh, and because again, the, the, it's the, this whole area, the whole front of the book is written like a story where the author's kind of explaining what happened. It says, "My assistant took my advice in the worst possible way. Today, he ran up to me beaming and saying he'd spent all night working on a solution to his anxiety. He produced this unsettling device. Apparently, it can target and destroy bad memories, including his frightening encounter with the Grim Goblin, which was the thing that triggered his want to create the gun in the first place. Okay, dang. Yeah, I, I feel like we might have even read about this in a previous episode. I think the memory gun came up. The Grem Goblin came up because we talked about it when it when we saw Dipper uh, interacted. Yeah. With it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that so he saw the Grem Goblin and literally got so freaked out and had such a scary panic attack that he created the memory gun so that he wouldn't have to deal with these things anymore because it was too much for him. Fascinating. And then, uh, uh, so I'll get, uh, you know, uh, let me just add this last part. I didn't hesitate to let F know that despite his good intentions, this device was far too dangerous to keep. The temptation for misuse was catastrophic. For all I know, he's already used it on me before. See, Whoa. that's the thing. It starts making you wonder about yeah. what you know and what you don't. So scary. Yeah. Yeah. It, great, great stuff, everybody. Go through the book if you have some time. It's fun. Bro, before we close this out. We gotta act. We gotta add something to Journal Four, and I think the Illuminati would be perfect. Uh, do you know anything about the Illuminati? Uh, first I like question. I, I mean, I yes. I actually don't know that much, to be honest. I know what people. the The thing about the Illuminati is, I'd be willing to bet there is like truth around it. But, like, it's well, so fictionalized that I have no idea where that could be. Right. So the truth around it is that it was real. Like, it's known to be real uh, a long time ago. Uh, so it refers to the Bavarian Illuminati. It was an Enlightenment-era secret society um, in Bavaria, which is today part of Germany. The society's goals were to oppose superstition, uh, religious influence over public life, and abuses of state power. The that order like of awesome the day— thing. Yeah, uh, they they said the order of the day is to put an end to the machinations of the purveyors of injustice to control them without dominating them. Uh, so there was a lot of this with the Freemasons and other secret societies. They got outlawed uh, with the encouragement of the Catholic Church. And during subsequent years, the uh, group was vilified by conservatives and religious critics who claimed that the Illuminati continued underground and were responsible for the French Revolution. And there were some very famous <laughs> members of the Illuminati uh, including Ferdinand of Brunswick. Um, yeah, I mean, people who honestly probably are not household names, though I know that uh, a lot of people will cite very, very famous people as part of being part of the Illuminati. I don't know how many of those are actually, like, based well, see, in facts. I, I, think, I think what people think the Illuminati is is what's actually just rich people. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm serious. Re- Everyone's like, yo, man, there's like a small amount of people at the very top that are controlling everything. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. And they're like, and they have culty meetings and they're all super organized. I'm like, that's not true. This is just capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's literally all it is. That's what everybody thinks well, the Illuminati is. It's like, yeah, like there, there's the peep, the top 1% owns everything and we all work for them. That's just how this works. So it's not a conspiracy. It's all very obvious. <laughs> apparently many conspiracy theories propose that world events are being controlled and manipulated by a secret society calling itself the Illuminati, which is basically just what you said. Um, conspiracy theorists have claimed that many notable people were or are president or are members of the Illuminati. Presidents of the United States are a common target for such claims. That comes from the Freemasons, where people are confused as people think that the Illuminati are the Freemasons because they watch National Treasure and base their entire lore on a shit movie. <laughs> okay, actually, I like National Treasure, so uh, don't come for it. Oh, wow, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> wow, actually, I like. I'm not saying I don't like it. I just said that it's bad. Yeah, it may not be the best movie ever, uh, especially not for history's sake. It's um, a Nicholas theorists... Cage movie that's horribly inaccurate historically. But very funny, because Nicolas Cage movies are always funny. Uh, not always on purpose. Other theorists contend that a variety of historical events were orchestrated by the Illuminati from the French Revolution, the Battle of Waterloo, and the assassination of John F. Kennedy to an alleged communist plot to hasten the New World Order by infiltrating the Hollywood film Whoa. industry. So, Whoa. Okay, that went a little bit too crazy, but they were probably right about a couple things almost. So basically... Many people claim that the Illuminati is still around. This original group, and it's just adapted to be parts of all of these, like, really high-level political conspiracy secrets. So we're not rating the fact that the Illuminati has ever been around. We are basically rating the fact that they are around right now in a real form. Because apparently there are, like, Illuminati organizations, quote-unquote, that are trying to attract people by saying, oh, we have connection to the historic order, but it's all fake. So, like... The question really is, is the same Bavarian Illuminati, has it hung around all this time? And is it making serious moves at a higher level? And no, I think that's hard to believe. People. Those are rich people doing those. Those That would be Wall Street. Those are bank owners and stock. Those are the people controlling the, the economy. That's what so we're thinking so about. God damn it. So your answer <laughs> is yes, but uh, it's not well, it's the not, original it's not a, Illuminati. It's, it's not a secret society and they don't do culty things. It's just rich people controlling our lives and people being okay. too scared to admit that that's true. You're giving this a one then. Giving this a zero. I'm sorry. Wow. Like, there, there are, look, are there maybe people in secret societies involved in politics? Sure. There are secret, if you have a society you didn't declare on your taxes, that makes it secret. So like, it's not that hard to have a bunch of weird culty stuff going on all over the place. Is any of it like working with each other in some huge global event? There is literally no way any human being could be that organized. There's no way. Look how chaotic everything is in the world. There is no way any system has that level of control and consistency. No this chance. Is where, this is where most conspiracy theories lose me and honestly where they should lose most people. Conspiracy yeah. theories are theorists very quickly point to one thing that sort of makes sense and sort of throw out the rest of it. And I I think the main issue with a lot of them is that when you really like kind of take a look at it, the amount of people that would need to be involved 
and the amount of secrets that would have had to be kept for so many years away from the public, it's too vast that the only conspiracies that make sense would have to be known by such a tiny amount of people to make them feasible. Something like this is way too big. Uh, so yeah, like, there, I'm still getting some. Can, like I know that the United States government has done like hella shady stuff, so I don't discount like every conspiracy theory just because it's improbable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's tons of stuff where I'd be like, oh yeah, like I'm sure that the United States government is capable and willing to do something awful, like whatever example you just said. That doesn't surprise me at all. It shocks me that that would surprise anyone, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but is it like this huge? conspiracy probably not it's usually a greedy politician just trying to cover their tracks for 15 minutes right yeah i'm still gonna give this a three just because we have rated some really wild things high and this is at least something that used to exist it's a matter of has it been able well, to kind of hang around in small capacities right? well i guess but we're not real if we're asking if there is a group that calls themselves the illuminati that exists no that's I mean, for that's sure a true. 10 that's a 10. Yeah, like, that no, doesn't mean this anything, is, though. That's different. This is, are the original Illuminati, the Bavarian Illuminati, have they stayed around as that organization and have the, as the historic roots remained intact and is still around now, regardless of what they're Ooh. controlling? Wait, I still what was think the year it's a, that it was founded, theoretically? That, that um, actually, that, it, that, when you phrase it that way, that makes me feel different. Because if, if you're just saying... 76. Ugh. That's a long time. It's a long time ago. I guess it, it's a lot to keep around. Um, still, mm -hmm. It's not the same. I mean, like, I'm still, I, I'm going to, okay, let's narrow the definition to do they exist in the way that they're like influential in global events? Mm -hmm. That's a zero for me. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. I think that's, I think that's fair. Or is as there a community that, like, at all? yeah, like, maybe there's just a chance that their members still exist and they still do stuff, and, but it's probably, like, you know, like, a fringe group of people that's like, hey, do you know that I'm actually in the Illuminati? And they're like, okay. <laughs> well, you know again, I mean? and there's still people like that in modern Illuminati groups. Like, there's yeah, a exactly. variation named the Illuminati Order, uh, which is sort of a way yeah. to be something different. You know how trademark names will just change a letter or two? So I don't think there's anything super substantial to it. But I do think it's a very fun thing to talk about. And I love when people are like, oh, Illuminati is real. 666, yeah. conspiracy. Oh, my God. Yeah, if you're if you think if you're interested in the Illuminati, look into the Freemasons. That's what you're actually interested in, because that's that's where all the dollar bill imagery comes from. That's where all the pyramid eye, all that stuff, all the United States. Great point. Political imagery. That's all Freemasons. It's got nothing to do with the Illuminati. Not even from the United States. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, everybody, I think we're gonna close it out here. This has been very fun. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network, which has many other rewatches of shows and movies on their feed, plus the Dragon Babies feed. Uh, we are one of the Dragon Babies, which is found on that feed. Uh, you can find more of Lou and I by watching Jester Brothers Cartoon Theater on YouTube. Follow us on social media or join the Discord. Like I said, it's in the description below. And five-star reviews are always nice. I honestly haven't checked them in a while. I'm overdue to see how that's going, but they really do help more people find the show, and that's awesome. So we'd appreciate it. And thanks to Tessa Scarborough for the cover art. We'll see you all this, see you all in two weeks. Next time. Happy sleuthing. <laughs> wild, wild episode. Thank you all. Peace. Bye.